hi everyone today we are continuing with stories of resilience and we're adding on a new chapter hi Ebony hi everyone okay let's get started Okay, our guest is logging in. It's just gonna take a few moments to join. If you could hear me, just send me like an emoji with a thumbs up. Make sure there's no thing. Okay. Okay. Can you um, hear me good, Emily? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, good. We don't have any echo. We? No. All right. Good. <laughs> Okay, so um, before we get started, I want to give you some room and space to describe yourself, who you are, what you do, and um, jump into it. Okay, so uh, hi everyone, my name is Ebony M. Watson. I am a school social worker and in Arbor, Michigan at Community High School. So I work with students and I'm also an inspirational speaker. Um, so a part of what I do is I, I love to help people and I'm passionate, passionate about working with women and teens and giving back to the community, um, whether that be sharing my story like now or volunteering at community events. I just love empowering people and working with all types of people. It's beautiful. So before we get started, we're like in this project, Stories of Resilience, and we all have our own definition of things. So I was curious to know, how would you describe resilience in your own words? So to me, um, resilience to me is a person or a person who has overcome um, obstacles or struggles and who is able to come back from them and just to be able to get over them and to be able to move forward. That's my um, definition of what I see resilience. Yeah, so part of being resilient is like you have to have gone through something to be resilient in the first place, yeah. Yes, yes. And it doesn't always have to be like a tragic event or something, but it could be um, it could be something small, um, but just pressing your way through that and being able to come back from it. Yes, stronger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when did you first realize or when was a time or a moment you realized? Well, it was actually recently that I realized um, that I was resilient. Um, when I was a little girl growing up, um, I grew up in a single parent family home and I went to, I lived in an area called Roosevelt, New York. Um, and during that time, my, my mother and my father um, abused drugs pretty much my whole life. And I was very ashamed of that, um, you know, having to go to school, people knowing my situation um, and not being able to do anything about it. Um, and during that time, because of my parents' drug history, I was, you know, taken away and put into foster care. But during that time, I was, you know, sexually abused, um, physically abused. And I just went through a lot in that process. By the foster and, parents? Hmm? By the foster parents? No, yes, by, by people in the foster home. So not the foster parents, but other um foster children because I was placed into different foster homes and that was something that I had carried with me pretty much all my life as an adult now and it wasn't until about two months ago when I graduated and I became a social worker 
and a therapist for women and teens who are going through the same things that I went through, where I was able to be resilient and tell my story and not just tell my story, but own it and, and be confident in everything that I had been through. Um, and that's when I realized like, you know, you're resilient, you know, in your own way, being able to go through all of that. Hey, Diddy, um, being able to go through all of that and just press in my way, but it was embarrassing for me. Um, and it, you know, it still is my parents are, my parents still have, um, they still are doing the same thing. And I was forced to raise myself at the age of 16. Um, and that's why I'm, I'm speaking about it now, because I know there, there are people who go through resilience in different ways. It doesn't have to be the way I went through it, but they still overcame something. It doesn't have to be as, as tragic. So I think that's when I realized that when I was able to actually start talking about it now and not be so nervous and not be embarrassed because, you know, it's life. But the fact that I'm able to tell my story and other people are able to connect and be authentic, I think that, well, I don't think I know that's what makes me resilient. Yeah. <laughs> Better words. <laughs> I a lot of great things that I want to sit down a little bit and highlight on. Like one of mm -hmm. them was the ability to be open and mm -hmm. with pain that was associated it seems like for some time and so like you you use the word like embarrassed a couple of times mm -hmm. and kept you from being open about it or from sharing that story but like recently you found a way to be vulnerable because it takes mm -hmm. to be vulnerable to be open and to share it in a way that not only empowers yourself but in a way that is intentionally meant to empower others yes yes um, I think that vulnerability came for me because, you know, as I said, I recently just graduated and I'm a social worker and I, I also provide therapy to adolescents in the evenings. And I had to go on psychology today and, you know, write a little bit about me section. And in that section, I was struggling of what to put. And the more and more I thought about it, I was like, the reason why you want to work with people is because, you know, you were sexually abused. You was physically abused. Your, your parents has and still, you know, are doing some of the same things, which has causes you, caused you to grow up, you know, the way you did. Why don't you just be honest and tell that? You know, why don't you, why don't you just be honest and tell that? If that's why you want to help people, that's why you want to help people. You know, keep it real and be honest so people know that I can connect with you as a therapist. I can connect with you as a social worker because I've been in your shoes. And if not, I can relate to it. Right. So that like that authenticity and that just realness, because a lot of the times when people go to therapy, there's like this very unrealistic and mm -hmm. untrue. Mm -hmm it all figured out or we have it all together or mm -hmm. that stuff and a lot of the time like us as helpers us as healers mm -hmm. when we're pushed into that profession is because we're trying to heal something mm -hmm. okay what are the tools so that i could fix something around me or within my yes yeah yeah um shared a little bit about kind of just that all of the things you had to overcome and that mm -hmm. within you that pushed you to want it to be better not only for yourself but for others. So what do you think contributed or where did you see that that resilience that was something make a part of your reality? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Can you repeat that? The phone is fading a little bit in and out. Oh, okay. So talked about like a lot of the things that you had to overcome. 
what is it that you think played a role in you wanting to want to um so to be honest can you hear me i hear you uh ebony toy is anyone yeah. else trouble hearing me i can hear you a little bit now better um so to be honest i think what allowed me to be resilient was because i needed to i needed healing myself um and it's like i said it's something that i struggled with for years and you know blaming my parents or blaming the person that sexually abused me and physically abused me um it was causing me more pain and i realized that in order to release that and to be able to actually genuinely help people and tell my story that i needed to overcome it and be able to tell it first right so were were there any places that you kind of saw that or that you that you that that resilience was modeled for you um i would say yeah i mean i think everybody that i know around me has you know shown some type of form of resilience in their own way um definitely i would say my my pastor Reverend Byron J Elliot just as a pastor and some of the things that he's had to overcome as a pastor um you know just being a young pastor and being able to you know make decisions and lead his congregation with everything that he has been through so i saw a lot of resilience you know in the church and just the people that were around me whether they've you know lost a family member lost a friend um lost a job didn't have enough money for bills and was still pressing their way i saw different forms of resilience in so many different ways but you you were somehow able to experience all of the things you were experiencing and still notice patterns of something mm-hmm. that was happening outside yes kind of just get overwhelmed stuck in what you were experiencing but look outward and notice like okay other people are going through differing levels of of um maybe sometimes trauma maybe sometimes difficulties and being able to overcome them way and that was drawing you to figuring out like okay how can i replicate that pattern in my own life yes i would definitely agree in saying that i saw so many different patterns that led me um to want to be you know resilient and open up and be authentic and vulnerable and share my story so how How did you build that resilience over the time? What were some things like Well, to be honest, I mean, I myself, you know, I'm a counselor and a therapist now, but I myself I have my own um therapist sometimes that I I talk to, so going to counseling and just being honest and transparent with myself. Um I think it was just a daily process and something that I knew that I needed to work on that allowed me to be able to become resilient. So can you break that down a little bit when when you mentioned that just daily processing? Mhm. Um so when I say daily process, I mean, you know, I have my own goals and things that I, you know, I know that I need to work on and a part of, you know, being an inspirational speaker and being a social worker and being able to help people, you have to practice self-care and you have to be okay yourself. If not, then you'll bring your own trauma while you're dealing with the people that you deal with. and i knew that in order to help other people effectively i had to deal with some of the things on my own um the best way that i knew how right and self care is something that's so trendy right now yeah yeah 
it could sometimes like lose its its meaning. So can you give a couple examples of what self care means to you or how you um, practice self care? Mm -hmm. So uh, self care to me means you know sometimes just taking a day or sometime you know off of social media um, and being present. I think you know some social media. I mean not social media. Excuse me. Um, self care looks different to everybody, but for me it's just taking that time. Um, to reflect, taking that time just to wind down. It could be, you know, having my favorite snack, you know, going to the mall, spending time with family, um, journaling. I do a lot of journaling, so writing my feelings down every day. Um, so self-care looks different to everybody, but for me, it's just, you know, when I'm in a comfortable and calm and quiet place, able to reflect and think. Okay, so that, that reflection is key to, like, you mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. being able to like make meaning out of the emotions you might have experienced throughout the day and things mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. um and it sounds like your your spiritual life and community also played a big role as well could you elaborate on that a little bit yes yeah, so i mean you know as i stated i did live with my mom at a short period of time before i was placed into foster care um and I always grew up in the church, so I always had a strong foundation regardless to whatever was going on. So I always had a support system, and I knew that, you know, people was always available for me to talk to and I wanted to talk to. Um, so I always had that strong foundation um, as far as the church and the community and the support system because I knew that the help was there. Yeah. So that that's another uh, key thing, and you're reminding me of the whole concept of protective factors. Because a lot of people think just because I've been through something horrific, just because I've been through something bad, then I might be broken or I might be damaged or this is just the state that I'm going to be in forever. And mm -hmm. there are several, although difficult things we go through can be risk factors mm -hmm. to depression or to PTSD, just like they're risk factors, they're also protective factors. Mm -hmm that you listed was having a support system, having a strong community, having um, key people in your life that are pouring, you know, pouring love into you, pouring life into you, pouring um, just that sense of, of belief and that care into you. And it sounds like those that you had as well. Mm -hmm. Then internally, some of the things that you highlighted was just your, your um, drive to be just self-aware and in control and, wanting to self-regulate everything that was going on internally so your thoughts your emotions um would there be anything else you would add to that as far as like the things that have helped you strengthen your resilience over time or served maybe as protective factors for you um well i would say recently i'm, I'm recently married so i've been married um for three years and i would say definitely my husband um you know just having him as a support system and you know, someone to talk to and actually go through the process with me. Um, so I think definitely besides the community, but having someone who actually understands and is willing to, you know, go through the process of recovery and healing for you, whatever that may look like for you at that time. Um, and, you know, I would definitely say it goes back to the church for me um, because since I was a little girl, I've I've always been a part of a church that I knew that, not, I wouldn't say 
I knew that understood the things that I was going through and was not judgmental. So um, I attended, when I was a little girl, um, Antioch Baptist Church in Hempstead, New York, where I was there pretty much all of my life. And my pastor there, he knew some of the things that I was dealing with. So he knew when I came there, I was in foster care. And then I started living with my grandmother. So they knew some of the things that I was going through. So they was able to help me. So having God, you know, as the head of my life and having a pastor that I can pray with, that I can talk to. And then even the recent church home that I came from um, in Lynchburg, Virginia, my pastor, Pastor Elliot, you know, just having him to help me through certain things. And when I needed counseling, you know, premarital counseling. So I've always had people and God placing certain people in my life, no matter what I was going through to let me know that, you know, that there were ways to get ways to get help, ways to, seek help for the sexual abuse, for the physical abuse, and the things that I was going through. Yeah, and that's a, that's one of the key factors of resilience is knowing when and where to get help. Would you say mm -hmm. that something that was kind of always instinctual for you, like knowing or being open to help? Or is that something that you had? Um, I would say no, um, because I have a, to be honest and transparent, I have a very strong personality. Um, so sometimes there was actually help available to me, um, even in the church and sometimes I didn't want it. Um, so it really took a lot of self-reflection and knowing that I needed the help in wow. order to receive the help. So sometimes you can know that, you know, there are resources that there, there, there is help there, but unless you're willing to, you know, take the help, um, it's really up to you. But because of my walk with God, I knew that I had to be obedient to receive the help so that I can be able to, you know, share my story and even be talking to you today so that other people can hear it. And I think accepting the help that I've been, you know, getting recently has helped me to, to get to where I am today. Okay. So that was kind of a, a part of the process for you. And then yes. the acknowledge, like, it's okay for mm -hmm. me to reach out to seek help. Then you started noticing like how those people that were around you and how those resources just, um, sped up the process for you mm -hmm. and grow through this versus it being something that you only suffered through. Yes. Did you say grow through? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because um, my first lady always says you have to grow through what you go through. And mm -hmm. I never really understood what that meant until I actually started growing. Um, so, yeah. That's, that's what that um every time I think of resilience, like I think of that being it's a it's a process of growth, it's a process of development. Because mm -hmm. we can push through, you know, a lot mm -hmm. of but it on the other end of it, it doesn't mean that we're wiser. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean stronger. It doesn't mean it's that same um thing or trap or or, or thought process yeah. where again we would be able to recognize it and prevent it or stay away from it. But very hi, First Lady Elliot. <laughs> I was saying hi to my First Lady. <laughs> yeah, when we're able to grow through it, then we can, you know, go hindsight and recognize the red flags and mm -hmm. then that and then teach what we learn to others, which mm -hmm. is what you're making a life of and a career of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so why would you say it's important for people to build resilience? Um, honestly, I would say it's important because 
well, for now, like, because you're able to overcome certain things and overcome your obstacles, you can help somebody else. And, you know, as I said earlier, resilience doesn't have to mean what I've been through. So it doesn't have to mean, okay, you, you know, you went through foster care, you were sexually abused, and, you know, you had a support system like I did, but it could mean, you know, you could lose a friend, you could, use a, you could lose a family member. I mean, bills need to be due, and money's not adding up, but you were able to press your way through that. So I think it's important because it helps you to own your story and own who you are. And I think for me, once I was able to realize that I had overcame resilience, it's allowed me to be more comfortable and own my story and who I am um, and not be embarrassed, you know, by it. That's a, that's a, um, I think an underlying theme of our conversation. So <laughs> owning your story, owning what you went through without, without any shame, without any embarrassment mm -hmm. um, about it, understanding that that is something that can, that can not only empower you, but make a difference and an impact on others' lives. Mm -hmm. The only one going through whatever we've been through, even though a lot of times while we're going through it, we do feel very isolated and very alone. Um, and that's part, that's part of it. So we are open, then that's when we're able to realize it's really a community of us. Mm -hmm. Or likely to see and hear other people's stories about how they were able to, mm -hmm. um, to be able to thrive despite it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so who do you hope you kind of touched on this already, but who do you hope this, um, your story of resilience? Well, to be honest, I, I want this story to help who, whoever is meant to help. Um, women, teens, men, boys, girls, prisons, elementary schools, whoever has my story um, that needs to be impacted, I want it to help believers, non-believers, um, you know, to be honest, I just, I wanted to reach who it needs to reach, which is why I'm telling it. Um, Cause I'm not an in the box person. So, you know, going on Instagram live for me is, is, is not really me. Um, but it's something that I'm, I'm stepping out into and I'm hoping that someone that's on this, you know, Instagram story or they share it with somebody that they would be impacted by it, by something that I said or something that you said, um, you know, that is my prayer that, you know, somebody is inspired by it and impacted by it. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. So, um, you all, if there are any questions or comments or anything you want to leave, now would be the time. Um, and feel free to leave any questions or comments and that we can answer live. Um, and while we're giving people a few moments to do that, if they choose to, um, I wanted to give you an opportunity to add um kind of like any nuggets or like highlight maybe um one of the the morals of the story that you're hoping um stood out most to anyone who is hearing you share today um what would i highlight if i could if i could highlight anything it would be to hmm. let me think let me think i would say to own your story um be bold and be comfortable in who you are. And when I say own your story, again, it does not have to mean something that you went through. It's whatever you do, just own your story. And if you have been through a traumatic experience or something that I have been through similar, 
Um, there are resources out there. There are people out there that care. There are churches, pastors, um, hotlines. You know, you can reach out to me. I'm always available or willing to answer any questions. If something wasn't clear as to what I said today, I'm definitely open to that. What advice do you have for young ladies who want to succeed educationally but seemingly do not have the resources? Um, so to be honest, that was me. Um, I would say look for uh, scholarships. Um, there are a lot of scholarships out there for um, ladies who do not have resources, um, first-generation scholarships. There are a lot of programs centered around that. Um, I would say there are ways that you can raise money, like with GoFundMe pages, um, doing, you know, different events. But there are definitely a lot of scholarships out there. And if a person is in high school, you know, meeting with their counselor, doing the research, or um, if there is a particular young lady, they can always reach out to me. I don't have the name of some of the places that I receive money from um, right now on hand, but I do have it with me where I could um, send some of those resources. And um, I, I were to add anything to that, I'm thinking I relate with that as well. I'm a first generation. We didn't, I didn't come from a family with a lot of money. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to figure out and be creative. And I think um, just consistent with the themes of our conversation today, just being open and vulnerable and sharing that information with people. So I knew that I wanted to pursue and receive a higher education, but I knew I couldn't afford it either. And so um, I grew up in a church community as well, just even sharing that with the leaders um, of church. There were other members in the church who had been to um, graduate school, who had been to college, and there's always someone who knows someone who knows someone. And so kind of just, just being open about that and being open about your dreams, even though it seems like from someone in your circumstances, it seems outlandish or whatever that might be. Just just be open, be transparent, let people, you know, know what you're aspiring to. And then it, you'll be surprised as mm -hmm. to who people are to help you or at least connect you with someone that they know. So um, I ended up when I was younger, I thought I to be a lawyer. So mm -hmm. I you know, at church and then there was someone that they knew that was married to a lawyer. So I was able to go and just sit in the courtroom and watch what was going on. But it was through having experiences like that, that I figured out what I really wanted to do. Um, because, you know, sometimes when you're from a, a lower SES, mm -hmm. um, what's on TV is the only exposure you have. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so just being open and um, letting people know and asking people, you know, do you know anybody? Right has done this um and then if you have the internet um then google is your best friend like scholarships for right. minorities scholarships for women like you said scholarship for um first generation there's scholarships for people who come from a lower socioeconomic class there's grants of all sorts so um, right. and then i was going to add to that when you say google for young ladies who um you know, want to go to college or want educational opportunities but don't have it, I was going to definitely say do your research and don't be afraid to negotiate with colleges. I just got my master's at U of M and I paid nothing. I did not, I, no loans because I wasn't afraid to negotiate, you know, when they give you scholarships, writing the essay. So a lot of times there are ways to get money, but sometimes we don't want to do the work. So if it's a young lady who wants to go to college or they want the educational opportunity, there are resources in every school 
um, college that you go to where the financial aid office will give you a list. If you write the essay, nine times out of 10, they're going to give you the money because you wrote the essay. If the essay is, you know, um, if it meets the requirements, almost every essay that I've ever wrote, I've received money for. So again, when, when they're going to colleges and I think about going to colleges, not being afraid to negotiate, going to the financial office, like I'm very bold. And so for me, you know, when I got, I got accepted into U of M, their tuition was $21,000. So I had to write the financial aid office and say, hey, you know, I'm a first generation college student. I don't have the money. And I told them my story, the same story I'm telling on this, on this live. And they gave me more money every semester. Every semester that I was at the University of Michigan, they continuously gave me more money. They gave me money towards um, living expenses. They gave me more money towards food because I wasn't afraid to tell my story. So um, to my first lady, Letitia Elliott, that's something else that I would, that I would suggest to um, not being afraid to even let the places know that you're trying to get the funds from or the colleges, what it is that's going on because they – they have the money, even if they say they don't have the money, um, they have it. Um, and I'm, I'm a witness to that because I just graduated with my master's with no loans. And I wish I would have knew you several years ago. <laughs> well, you know me now, so we, 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 we will touch bases on that later so I can help you. <laughs> um, but I think, did anybody else have another question? I think. Okay. Next one was, uh, how do you network with like-minded people that can assist with your success? You, you can answer that first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> One thought that I had is um, like, because we're on the internet right now, like we're on a platform right now, like taking advantage of social media so that it works for you. So um, for example, part of my story, like I'm a military spouse. And so I've been able to, build some connect but then it's like as soon as i start building relationships two years three years later i, I move somewhere else start the network process all over again so like my my web is very broad um but it's hard to like keep those relationships growing if it weren't for the internet so the internet to build relationships for example with Ebony right here you know like we connected through social media so I follow like certain hashtags I follow other people who are doing work that's similar to my own and um, just reaching out to people like there's some people that are professionally doing some things that I would like to be doing ideally that's consistent with my goals and so I, I just asked them like hey how did you do them pretty sure a few therapists that um, are watching this or will watch this like they've gotten dms from me before like asking them you know like what softwares or what resources have you used so just you use it and it's pretty easy nowadays like just by following certain hashtags or certain accounts and you know reading the comments to find people who um are professionally in alignment or even have similar mindset that you have and so you can use that to strengthen your own because if you're only limited to your immediate environment sometimes it could be hard to do that because the people all around you may not have uh similar goals or visions or aspirations in life i think you, you, you pretty nailed you pretty much nailed it <laughs> yeah <laughs> there was one more um oh yeah owner of peace said i need to know how to get those scholarships so definitely hit up 
Ebony, you um, you want to give them your your ID? Oh, that's actually that's actually one of my close friends. So I will I will text her. I will okay. text her. That's Glenda. Okay. That's one of my really close friends. Yes, I have you, Glenda. <laughs> Okay, precious stars that you are truly inspired and yeah so we got all the questions yeah i think that's it all right yeah i think we got it all okay well i want to being open and vulnerable with us and one thing i very much learned from you and i'm i'm taking away from this conversation is the power that comes from being open and vulnerable. And like you said, just mm -hmm. the story. I know a lot of times I might, I'm a very reserved person. <laughs> so <laughs> I might um, share very much or put myself out there as much, but just to hear your testimony and to mm -hmm. how you being open and how you being transparent has gotten you to where you want to be, has allowed you to move forward in a way that, not very many people say they have a master's with, you know, no loans. And not very many people could say that they have experienced the trauma that you've experienced. And you've not only been able to heal from that, but help others heal from that as well. Like that is, that is powerful. That is inspiring. That is definitely a beautiful manifestation of resilience. So I thank you for sharing that with us today. You are so welcome. <laughs> you were so welcome. All right. And if anyone wants to um, know more about you or keep in touch with you, how can they get a hold of you? Um, I'm on Instagram and Facebook as Ebony M. Watson. And my website will be coming out in a couple of weeks, um, along with LinkedIn and some other stuff. But you can message me. You can email me at inspirationalspeakerebony at gmail.com. And for those of you that are in Atlanta, I will be speaking in Atlanta next month. So I hope to connect with you soon. And I just want to thank you for this opportunity for allowing me just to share my story and to be open and transparent. And I'm just glad that we connected through social media and I hope to continue to connect and do some other things together. Thank you, thank you again. I hope you all have and um, Christmas for those of you that said the next time. Yeah.